Talking of service, talking of service, what's the best service that you've ever had? Now just think for a minute. Think back over your long and distinguished lives. What was the best service you ever had? I was thinking that, about that this morning and I can remember I can remember coming back from Delhi once on a British Airways flight and I wasn't feeling too well and I actually got jumped up to business class which was great, I mean that was nice. Uh, but but the, the, the stewardess really looked after me. I could have been in first class. You know, I rem- I'm talking to you, that was like six or seven years ago, I'm talking to you about it now. It left an impression upon me because she went the extra mile just to make me feel comfortable and I was a bit shattered and she was just awesome. Uh, uh, best service, when I think of the best service I've ever had, there's a little garage near me called MG Strickland in Hatfield. If you live in, in Hatfield, I'm going to do a free plug for them. I don't get anything out of this. But they are awesome guys. I, I've taken my car in there, and sometimes they just haven't charged me, and they said, oh, it took us half an hour, whatever, yeah. I mean, what garage is not charging you? I mean, that's got to be cool, hasn't it, you know? Abs- pretty amazing, yeah, absolutely. Makes me want to go back there. I, I can remember, probably the, the, the best one was, I remember Fliss and myself, before we got married, so we're talking 45 years or so ago, I went to a Pakistani restaurant in Knightsbridge. It was actually very nice, very posh. It wasn't your sort of Friday night curry house. It was, a very, it was called Shazam. It was just uh, parallel with Brompton Road, and it, it, it was lovely. We went there with a couple of friends, and we had a great meal, I know the food was good, but the thing that was absolutely outstanding was the service. And 45 years later, I cannot remember what we ate, but I do remember the service. Do you remember that, Flissy? Uh, it was just an outstanding evening. And it's a humbling thing for me as a preacher, at the vineyard in particular, because I can sweat on the study and I can sweat in prayer and I can do a great talk and people forget the talk, but you know what they remember? They remember the welcome. You know, God bless David Clamp and all you welcome crew. They, they, they remember the kids' ministry. Our kids enjoyed it. You know, God bless Maria and, and Kev and, and all the children's workers. They, they, they remember the donuts, the, the number of times people say, oh, I love the donuts, you know. Is that the best thing about us? You love the donuts, you know. Well, God bless the refreshment team and the guy who went down this morning, or the girl, I don't even know who it was, went to Tesco's to get, you know, 300 donuts, you know. You know, God bless the welcomers. God bless you ushers. God bless you home group leaders, connect group leaders, musicians, techie guys. You know, give them all a clap. You know, God bless them all. God bless them. Because the curious thing is, people remember service. They don't actually remember the meal or the flight, or the, but they remember that person that showed a little kindness when they needed it. It's a powerful thing. And we're gonna read something now in the scriptures, which, uh, which I love, it's one of my favorite passages, it's in John 13. We're gonna read that and I wanna make a few little points about, about out of this. And uh, then hopefully we can have a little time before the, end, the normal end of the service just to pray for one another. John chapter 13 says here, it says, it was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And again, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Let me do the kind of exposition as I go through. This passage is at the beginning of three or four chapters which are the most detailed account of of Jesus' conversation, interaction with the disciples on the night that he was betrayed. It's interesting because in John's gospel he doesn't give an account of the Last Supper. The other gospel writers do, but he does this, what we're gonna read in a minute, this foot washing thing. We're not gonna wash feet, but, but he, 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 he makes great efforts to unpack what Jesus was thinking, what he was like, the vibe that night. And he begins this passage, John 13, by twice saying, Jesus knew. And what John is trying to communicate here is that what is about to happen to Jesus, and you know what's about to happen to Jesus, he's about to be arrested while he's just having a prayer meeting in the, in the, in the garden. He's about to be arrested, manhandled, abused, tortured, then crucified after a false trial. All that's about to happen, but what John wants us to know is that this was not an accident. Jesus knew, and in fact, Jesus knows. Jesus was in control. It wasn't a horrible change of, chain of events, like some sort of, you know, you're going about your business and suddenly a tsunami comes in and it changes everything forever. It wasn't like that for Jesus. Jesus knew he was utterly in control of the moment. And it even goes to say that all things... And when we say all things in the scripture, we mean what? All things. In heaven, on earth, that which was seen and was unseen had been entrusted to Jesus. This is an awesome moment. He is who he is. The son of God. The second person of the Trinity. The peacemaker. God Almighty. A wonderful, awesome moment. I can feel the spirit just, just kind of putting some weight on those words even as I'm sharing it with you. Jesus knew and Jesus knows. It goes on, in this moment, in this moment it says, it says here, verse three, I'll repeat something. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped his towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Basically, Peter is saying, really? You think you're gonna wash my feet? Oh, I don't think so. Jesus replied, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. That flags up that this isn't just that the servant forgot to wash feet. Jesus is flagging up something. This This is a teaching moment, so pay attention, bro. Oh, says Peter. And it goes on. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. No, no, I thought about it. Lord, you are Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Get it? It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry, Jesus. I think the atmosphere is kind of getting a little bit kind of tense in the room now. Because the other disciples, they're okay with this. Whatever Jesus wants, Jesus gets. But Peter's kind of pushing back on this one. You're not going to wash my feet. 
I know you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are not going to wash my feet. I'm sorry, it ain't going to happen. And then the Lord said to Simon Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me or of me. Whoa. Unless I wash you, you have no part with, for, in me. At which point I want to say, wash me, Jesus. And in fact, Peter has some sense at that moment. Verse 9, he says, then Lord, then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Wash me, Jesus. In fact, say that with me, everybody. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. You know, there's an interesting thing going on there. You know, you know Peter, bless his heart, he, he's not being bullshit. He's not being awkward for awkward's sake. He's not just, you know, like, you know, some group of friends, there's always someone who's a bit tetchy, a bit difficult. He's not being difficult. Actually, what he's doing, he's, 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 he's attempting to honor Jesus because Jesus has taken on the, the garb of a servant in this holy, awesome moment, which everybody, you know, we, we have the benefit of hindsight to see and understand. We realize, but Peter in that moment says, Lord, you are Lord, you are not gonna wash my feet. You know, I, I should wash your feet, you're not gonna wash my feet. But Jesus pushes into the truth behind the truth. And all through Jesus' ministry, we get this time and again in the gospel. In Mark chapter 10, 42 and 45. In fact, I will read that. Bear with me. Mark, it's not going to come up on the screen. Um, it says here, Jesus says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, and that was Jesus' preferred title for himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom forever, for, for everyone. See, this is what Jesus has been trying to train the disciples in. It's not about lording over other people. It's about serving other people. You know, we, we often major on this, and... You know, last time I was up here, I think I, I said we have to be the servant of all. So, so Peter, you know, he still hasn't got it yet. He's heard Jesus say it a hundred times, if not a thousand times. He's seen the way Jesus is and moves and has his being. and He's followed him around and he still hasn't got it yet. But, but he keeps, you know, he keeps coming back to it. And then he, he kind of gets it. And so he says, wash me, Jesus, wash me, Jesus. And Jesus goes on in this passage. We will finish this passage and then make one or two comments. Jesus said in verse 10, he says, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. And he's referring to Judas, of course, who's even as we speak, meeting with the temple guard to arrange the arrest. It says here, for he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. You're not wrong, Peter. I am your Lord. I am your Savior. I am King of Kings, the Messiah, the Holy One. I am those things. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do this as I have done for you. Very truly, I say, no servant is greater than his master or messenger, greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know, our culture, as I've said many times, not gonna labor it, we are service averse, we want to be served. But we do remember when we are served well. We do remember when we are served well. And so here we have an opportunity as a body of believers, a community, to serve one another. Jesus said when we do that, when we love one another, people will say, look how, look how they serve one another, how they love one another. They are, must be Jesus' disciples, but also to serve our community. Richard kind of uh, mentioned the growing family giveaway thing. You know, there's, there's two wonderful opportunities in that for us to serve. Actually, uh, you know, the first one is, is something that it sounds quite fun and I shall do one myself, Carol. I'm looking at Carol, our feed manager. It's a way of serving in a very, very particular way and, and, and actually it's a lovely way because so often when we serve people, just as that air hostess did, just as the waiters and manager in Shazam in Knightsbridge did, they get your thanks or you, you give them a big tip at the end of it. But what I'm gonna invite you to do as part of our giveaways, to give away some of your time and your energy, I'm gonna invite you to do an hour or so at one of our major supermarkets. Our supermarkets have really got behind our food bank. And it's such a wonderful thing to, that, that they are coming on strong and giving us opportunity for weeks, aren't they? Is that, is that right? We've got several, nine days. And we're working with Morrisons and Waitrose and Sainsbury's, is that right? We just need people to serve, to stand at the door, to give out a little flyer just for an hour or so or more if you can. And the lovely thing about it is no one will ever say thank you to you. Well, there is one. But no one will ever say thank you to you because the feed clients who come here on a, currently, more when we get the building next next door, which is coming along very well, I have to say. But the feed clients won't know who stood out there on a Saturday morning collecting the food or greeting people, saying hi. But the Bible says this, those who give to the Lord, or those who lend, give to the poor lend to the Lord. And so the one will know that you have served in this way. So please, I mean, Richard's right, I will, I, I'll preach the notices, as they say. <laughs> preach the notices. Look at these things. Sign up at the desk. Give us an hour of your time this busy Christmas so that we can collect the food to give away to the poor. And no one will say thank you to you. But Jesus will say thank you. And then the other thing, of course, is our, our money. Time, energy, and money. We give our money, don't we? There's a very particular thing we want to do this Christmas. It's those of you who were here with the, uh, when we had Pastor Samuel here, will know that we undertook to give 6,000 pounds at the first service and 6,000 pounds at the second. It's to finish the building, the orphanage there. But it's also because there's a tradition in India to give new clothes. They don't give sort of, you know, Xboxes and, you know, Legos and toys that get bust or run out of batteries by four o'clock in the afternoon. They give new clothes. When you've got 150 or so orphanages, that is hard. And I know every year Samuel drops me a line and says, can you help out? And we try, sometimes we do, sometimes we can't. And I thought, you know what, let's just do it this year. 
And if you look at this little thing, a way we can serve the poor is to put shoes on their feet, clothes on their back, and a little gift, a little bit of nonsense, so they know that they're loved. So please, if you can give a lot, do. If not, just have a look on that. If you can't give any money, give us some time. This great growing family Christmas giveaway is about serving those who sometimes cannot serve themselves. And we want to do that. Why? Because we love Jesus. And Jesus said, you see what I've just done? You see what I've just done for you? Now go and do likewise. Amen? Let's have the band up here. I just feel there's a little ministry. We've, we've got a few minutes in hand. Is, is the band around? Sam? Hello? Anybody? Great. They're all partying out there. Let's all stand. I don't know what we're going to do for the next eight minutes, but I'm sure it'll be good. You know, all this morning, it's funny, as I came in this morning, I, I, I came up to Sam as I walked in, and I said, God is going to do something today. I don't know what, I'm not going to prescribe or pretend to know what God's going to do. But God is in this room in a special, he's meeting with us in a special way. And I just want to give him a, a, a bit of my time, if you like, to do what he needs to do. So guy, just give me a little bit of ambient something, I don't know. Handpipes in Peru. That'll do it. Let's just, why don't we all just close our eyes and put an act of faith and let's just put our hands out like this. It's a a gesture of receiving. Wash me, Jesus. Just say that. That, that, There was some breath on that. Just wash me, Jesus. You know, we've got a baptism coming up on December the 7th. Some Some of you need to be baptized. And at the moment, you're a bit like Paul, you're a bit like Peter, you're saying, I don't need to be baptized. I know you, Jesus, and I'm serving. Some of you need to be baptized. In fact, a gentleman came to me during the week, 71 years of age, key member of our, our, our volunteer team, he says, I'm going to get baptized. Some of you need to be baptized. You need to take a dunk. You've got to, as an act of humble obedience, you need to be baptized. December the 7th, 8 o'clock. Drop a line into the, uh, say something at the welcome desk or speak to Richard. Email the office, you need to be baptized, December the 7th, 8, 6 p.m. in the evening. Come Holy Spirit now. Wash me, Jesus. Just keep saying that. Wash me, Jesus. Not just my head, Lord God. Not just my hands. Not just my feet. Go deep, Jesus. Do it all. I don't want to hold back, Lord God. I don't want to hold back anything from you. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Thank you. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, just fix, on, fix your, your eyes your, on the Jesus you know and love. If, if you don't know Jesus yet, that's fine. We've all been in that place. Just, just try and chill. Just try and relax. Let Jesus speak to you. He'll come to you. Bless you, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. Up there on the balcony, wash me, Jesus. In the very corners of the room, wash me, Jesus.
Some of you may like to use it like the Jesus prayer, very old ancient prayer. You kind of breathe in, and as you breathe out, you just say, wash me, Jesus. And then you breathe in, taking in, if you like, the spirit, if you like, and you breathe out and you say, wash me, Jesus. It's a little meditative thing, very ancient Christian devotion. Wash me, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Some of you definitely need to be baptized in December. That's, um, you've been holding out. You're a bit like Peter. You know, not me. Not me. I don't need that. No, I, I was done as a, I was sprinkled as a kid. I don't need that. You need to be baptized. Wash me, Jesus. If you're a new Christian, you need to be baptized. You can talk to Richard or any of the staff about what that is. Wash me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm going to just be quiet just for a minute or so, just as the band play, and just stay in the posture you are now and just try and yield to the Lord, just surrender to him, just give up, give in. Let him wash you. Come, Holy Spirit. going to hold it for another minute and you may have felt the Holy Spirit upon you or, or felt peace or you felt trembling in your body but now it's passed that's not the end of it the Spirit of God moves in these manners in a, like, a, like a, a tide coming in so, so okay if, if something started and it feels, felt like it stopped just hold tight now just keep focus, keep in worship. I'm going to shut up for another minute and just, and you'll feel that, that there'll be that sense, that understanding, that experience that the Holy Spirit will come upon you all the stronger. That's like tides coming in, pushing the watermark higher, pushing the watermark higher. Wash me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. More Lord. John 5, Jesus said that he only did that which he saw the Father doing. I've been trying to follow the Spirit very closely this morning. All over the room, I can see people engaging physically. I can see it. I can see you trembling, some of you, peace of God on you. I can see people who are engaged with the Holy Spirit. It's as if we've Kind of stop for a few moments just to give him permission to get close. Wash me, Jesus. 
Wash me, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done, Lord God. Thank you for what you did when we worshipped. Thank you for what you did with the communion. Thank you for what you did with the kids blessing us. Thank you for what you did through Richard and the notices and what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord God, for what you did through the word. Just broke something. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing now by your spirit. Thank you for the apostle Paul who said... I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power. There's power in these words. There's power centered on Jesus, in whom all authority and power has been invested. Holy Spirit, we bless you. We bless you. We're going to transition into a, our final song. Some of you may just want to stay like this and not sing yet. That's, that's perfectly fine. But others of you will be able to join with the worship team as we sing our last song together. And there's going to be no rust when, when I dismiss. You may just want to sit and stay and just stay in the presence of God. That's fine. But let's just sing a last song together. Thank you, Sarah.